0: Happy New, year. Happy New Year. Oh, come on, we can do better than that. Happy New, year. Happy New Year. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so glad to be here with you today. It is gonna be a great year. I think, I think 2022 is going to be a great year in the life of this church. We just finished our 175th. We're starting our 176th year of ministry, the next 175, And I think there's gonna be a lot That is going to be great and good about this year. As a matter of fact, I think this year is going to be better than any year going before us. And to kind of wrap up that idea, I want to turn as we begin this new year to a study of the book of Hebrews. And so for our scripture reading this morning, would you turn with me to Hebrews chapter one, beginning in the first verse? It'll be on your screens. It'll be Uh, It'll be in the bulletin, it's in your pew Bible, or you can just listen as I share with you the word of God from the book of Hebrews, chapter one, beginning in the first verse. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed to the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. but the word of our God endures forever. Let us pray. O Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. As we begin this new year, we ask that you would speak to us, that you would awaken us, that you would push away the gloom of night by the light of your newborn son. And we pray, O Lord, that you would make this year better than ever. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, for it is in the name of your Son, our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. Well, it is so wonderful to be here for the beginning of a new year, but before I get into this new year, I've got one more story from last year to tell you. So right before christmas i went down to castorville to do a little last minute christmas shopping morgan has a place down there that sells these little jellies and jams and preserves and stuff like that and it's the kind of stuff that she really likes and i was going to be down that way for a funeral and i thought this is a point chance for me to score some points as a husband and i'm going to go to this little place and i'm going to get that jelly that that peach salsa that she wants and i'm going to get it and i'm going to i'm i'm going to win christmas it's going to be awesome And so I went, I went to the place, I picked it up. And then I decided, you know what, Castroville is a, it's a beautiful little town, this French German town settled, you know, settled all those years ago. It looks like a little place in Europe. And, and so I decided I was just going to look at the Christmas lights and the decorations. And I, I went over to the St. Louis Catholic church and met the guy who was working in there and, and just, he showed me around and I was walking around the square. And, and as I was walking around the square, I saw this, beautiful little antique store. It had been, it was in a converted house, this little white house right there on the corner of the main square, catty, catty corner from the church. And the name over the door said, Curious Interest Antiques. And I thought, this is going to be great. I can do a little last minute Christmas shopping. I can go in here and maybe get something for my daughter, get something for Morgan. If there's anything fun and curious, a Curious Interest antique. You know, I'll just, again, this is, this is a great opportunity just to, just to, just to enjoy the, the Christmas time and the Christmas spirit. So I went in. Well, actually, before I got in, I, I, as I was walking to it, I saw there was a big open sign. The door was wide open. It was a pleasant day, not a cloud in the sky. And I just walked right in. And as I walked in, I said, I said hello. Hello, anybody here? Well, the, the lights weren't on. There was lots of light streaming in from, from outside so I thought well maybe they're in the back so I just started looking around now if you've ever been in like an old house or an old store with me you know that I don't like to I don't like to sneak around I like to kind of stomp around a little bit because I don't like people to feel like I'm sneaking up on them that could lead to bad things and so I'm kind of stomping around picking up a little curio here a little clock here just looking around I keep looking over my shoulder where you know where's the proprietor where's the owner of this place and you know never mind I just Kept on perusing the wares of the antique shop, and I worked my way back into a couple of the back rooms when all of a sudden I heard this jingle, 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 thump. Thought that was odd, that was unusual. What was that? Jingle, 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 thump. So I again said, hello, hello. No answer. So I stuck my head back out into the main room, and, and I saw that the front door was closed. And uh, so I walked over to it and I turned the handle and it was locked. (laughs) And it was not just a regular lock. It wasn't just like a Yale lock or a master lock. This was an old antique lock with a huge skeleton key looking apparatus. And I thought, I'm locked in here. (laughs) The owners didn't know I was in here and they just locked me in the store. And I didn't know if they had left for lunch or left for Ohio for Christmas. I knew I was just going to be trapped in here, and all of a sudden, my mind started to play tricks on me, and I couldn't decide whether or not I was going to be the starring role in a Hallmark Channel movie, movie or a horror movie. I mean, it's like Bob Fuller, you know the, 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 you know, the Castroville horror, you know, is this Mayberry or Amityville, you know, like these salt shakers, you come in, but you never leave. So what's going to happen here? And I'm starting to get a little bit worried. I'm, I got, I'm, you know, banging, I'm looking for a phone, and I'm, I'm like, okay, what do I do? I don't first of all, I, I didn't want to be locked in there forever, because I did have places to be. Number two, I didn't want anybody to think I'd broken in, or something like that. My fingerprints are all over the place now. <laughs> and so I, I started to think, and as I kind of quieted myself, I started to hear voices, and it kind of led me back to the back room, and I was in one of the back rooms, and and there was this big, well, first of all, there was a table with all kinds of old stuff, old treasures on it. But then behind it was a door. And so, and I thought, there's somebody behind that door. And I remembered that this, this antique store backed up right to the back of an Italian restaurant, Luigi's Italian restaurant. And I thought, okay, that door may lead into the restaurant. And so maybe I can get somebody's attention and they'll either let me out or just call the owners or something like that. So I, so I went and I moved the table and I got to the door and I started knocking and you know, you know how you do this. You don't want to scare people again. It's like, hello. Yeah. Hello. Nothing. Hello. Then it got quiet on the other side. Hello. 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 Yeah, yeah, hi, <laughs> like, hi, hi, I'm, uh, I'm trapped in the antique store. The owners, I think, went away for lunch, and I got locked in. Can you let me out from the other side? They're like, well, there's a bunch of stuff piled up in front of this door, like some, some other doors and some big boards. I said, could you move them? I think I can unlock it from this side, but I can't open it. And they said, well, we'll try. And so I hear lots of scraping and and moving and stuff like that. And finally, I clink, clink, clink. I've got all the doors. I've got all the locks undone. And I finally pull this door aside and I stumble out and I am in the middle of a patio in the middle of Luigi's Italian Restaurant, just kind of stumbling out. I'm wearing my suit. I'm wearing a tie. And all these people are looking at me like, what just happened? And I said... Hi, uh, is the manager around? I really want to tell them that I got—I really want to tell them that I got locked in the neighbor's store, and I don't want anybody to think I broke in. But they're going to have to lock it from the inside. So, so can I speak to the manager? And and finally, one of the other patrons, who is apparently from Castroville, said, "Oh, you know what? That happens all the time." The owners are kind of old, and they kind of don't hear real well, and they, well, they don't turn on the lights, and so every now and then they lock somebody in there. I'm like, this happened before? Yeah, usually they just, you know, usually the people trapped inside, they'll call the police, and they'll let them out. I was like, oh, I guess I could have done that, but no, I took the more creative route and busted out, like a prison break. But, you know, but I'm listening to it, I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, that's great, but if somebody could just tell them, and then I started looking around, I thought, well, these are nice people. It's a sunny day. We're out here on the back patio, and I stayed and had lunch. (laughs) But, you know, when you're a preacher, you look at different situations like that, and you think, you know what, one day this will be a sermon illustration. (laughs) And it was particularly poignant because I realized that I was trapped in an antique store. Now, I like antique stores, but I didn't want to be trapped in one. But what I realized is that I was literally trapped in the past. I was surrounded by the past and I couldn't get out. Well, today we are starting a study of the book of Hebrews. And I wanted to share that story with you because the book of Hebrews is a warning about getting trapped in the ways of the past, in the old ways. But that warning is coupled with a challenge to embrace the new and better way of Jesus Christ. Now Hebrews is an unusual book although it comes to us among the letters of the New Testament it's not really a letter it's probably a sermon that was transcribed and then passed around from group to group and church to church. Also another interesting feature unlike the other books of the Bible most of the other books of the Bible we don't know who wrote Hebrews other than to say that he was steeped in the covenant religion of Israel. He was a seasoned Christian who was writing to new Christians, but more specifically, he was a former Jew writing to other former Jews. That's why it has kept the name Hebrews for all these years. Now, the people who first read and first heard Hebrews were not converted pagans they were converted Jews. They were people who were reared in the faith of Israel and now followed Jesus as Israel's Messiah. Now, here's some things we learn about them from the book of Hebrews. One thing that's critical to understand is that conversion was not easy for them. In chapter 10, They are described as people who have endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated, who joyfully accepted the plundering of their property. And these are former Jews, yes, but they are persecuted, presently persecuted Christians. They're people who know what it means... To be rejected by friends, to be rejected by family, to be religious outlaws, all for the sake of Jesus. They knew what it was like to suffer for their faith. You see, in the Roman world, the Jewish faith was permitted, but the Christian faith was very often persecuted. And as we think about this group, it would have been all too easy for them to forsake the latter and to go back to the former. I mean, at least Judaism was legal. And we can sympathize that under brutal treatment, some of these new converts were starting to waver. They were starting to weigh their decision against their pain, asking themselves, is this really worth it? And so to them, the preacher has a very specific message And that message is, don't give up, don't fall back, don't lose heart, don't get sucked back into the ways of the past. Jesus is worth it. And the critical theme, the heart of the book, is that Jesus is greater. Jesus is worth it. Jesus is better. Whatever you had in the past, Jesus is better. And from the opening sentences to the end, the theme of Hebrews is to make the case to wavering Christians that Jesus is not only greater, but that he is better for you, for me, for them, and for the whole world. His leadership is better. His way is better. And his promises are better. Not just in AD 69, but in 2022. Look at verse 1:4 again. Jesus is described as better or superior. And that happens 13 times in the book of Hebrews. Listen to some of these decisive statements that Hebrews says. Hebrews describes him as superior to angels, having a better covenant, the guarantor of a better covenant. His ministry is much more excellent because the covenant he mediates is better, because it's founded on better promises. You see, Jesus is not just superior, he is superlative. That means that he's not just better, he's the best. He's not just more, he's the most. He is God's best. He is God's most complete. He's God's most perfect and decisive revelation of who God is. And he is the supreme executor of God's will. So let me unpack those two statements really quickly. First, Hebrews says that Jesus is greater than the prophets. Now that's a big deal, not just for Jews, but for for former Jews who are now Christians, that Jesus is greater than the prophets. Why? Because Jesus is not only the son of man, he is the son of God. Who were the prophets after all? Throughout history, they were the human messengers that god sent to declare his word the ones that he sent to declare his will and his authority to the people but jesus is god's word made flesh he is emmanuel god with us and he is not just the messenger his saving life and death and resurrection is the message. So he is the word of God. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus is the decisive, final word on who God really is, on who we really are, on how the world really is and what God has done about it. But Jesus... Is not only better than the prophets. The author of Hebrews says that Jesus is also better than the angels. Now, the word angel simply means messenger, but Jewish tradition held that the angels were the highest messengers of God's revelation. They were higher than the prophets, yes, but compared to Jesus, the Son of God, even these mind-blowing, awe-inspiring, supernatural beings were humbled. Jesus is better than the angels. But finally, we also see that Jesus is better because he's more than a spokesman. Jesus is also the supreme executor of God's will. Now, what's an executor? An executor is a person who is charged and given authority to carry out the will and the commands of the will maker after he's gone. And this idea of executor is the root idea behind our root word, executive. Listen to what Hebrews says. It says that he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Those are action words. And what Hebrews is telling us is that Jesus is not just the teller of God's will, he is the doer of God's will. God made him the great agent, the executive of his will, the executor with all authority and power. He is the one who executes the play, who makes it happen. Not just now, but from the beginning. In the beginning, Jesus Christ created the world. Look at what Hebrews says. But he's also the executor of redemption now. And now he sits at the right hand of God. And when he comes again, he will rule the universe for all of eternity. Jesus is not just the best because we like him. Jesus is the best because of who he is. He's the best leader that we could ever have because he is God and therefore he knows what God knows. He's better than an angel because he's God's own son who became a man and therefore he knows and understands us. He gets us. But he is also better. He's the best because he has the power to back up the promises that he he makes because he now rules at the right hand of God. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto him. Who better to follow? So he is the one that we want on our side because he's real, because he cares, because he understands, and because he has the authentic power to make a difference in our lives now and forever. Now, Another major theme of Hebrews that I want to share with you and talk about today is the critical connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament in the book of Hebrews. As we get deeper into our study of Hebrews, one of the mistakes that we might make about this book is to think that it categorizes the old as bad and the new as bad as good the old law is bad but the new gospel is good old and new but it would be wrong to characterize hebrews in that way because both the old covenant and the new covenant are expressions of god's covenant of grace His promise of unlimited affection, undeserved mercy, and unstoppable power is expressed as much in the Old Testament as it is in the New. You know, I often hear people say, I am a New Testament Christian. I don't need the Old Testament. But you know what? There's no such thing as a New Testament Christian without the Old Testament. In the same way, an Old Testament person without the New Testament doesn't get the whole story. In Matthew chapter five, Jesus said himself, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. The new covenant is not in opposition to the old covenant. Rather, it is the fulfillment of it. This book, this book of Hebrews is not just about the old and the new. It's not about the old ways versus the new ways. It's not about the present versus the past. It's about the better. It's about the first, the old covenant, and the fulfilled, the new covenant. The first covenant was complete when it was fulfilled by the work of Jesus Christ. You see, the first covenant was a gift of God's love a sign that was pointing to Christ. And we have an example of that as we gather around the Lord's table today. God instituted the feast of Passover to remind us of the night that he saved the people from their slavery in Egypt. On that night, those whose doors and homes were covered by the blood of the sacrificed lamb were saved from the angel of death. 2,000 years later, on the night of Passover, Jesus sat at table with his disciples and used that ancient sign to point to the ultimate freedom that God gives freedom from the sin that so cripples and ensnares us. And that's why Jesus commands us to celebrate the new Passover feast. In this way when we gather for communion we gather around the Lord's Passover table as a reminder that he has given his body that he's given his blood the body and blood of God's own son to save us from sin from the death and the fear and the havoc that it wreaks in our lives so what we see is and the Lord's Supper is that Jesus did not abolish the Passover. He fulfilled it. And he filled it with new meaning. The freedom of Passover points to the ultimate freedom that we are promised in Jesus Christ. Therefore, the Passover is no longer just a symbolic reminder of a historical event. The passion made Passover personal. It's no longer about history. It's about the great love and passion that God has for us, that he has proven through his son, Jesus Christ. As I said, this book of Hebrews is not about the old versus the new, about the new ways versus the old ways, or about the present versus the past. It's about the present, about, excuse me, it's about the better. It's about the first and then the fulfilled. The author of Hebrews was a former Jew writing to other former Jews about why Christ is better. But you know what, he could have made the same point to former pagans or to modern people like us who were swept up in the current and the habits, and the idols of our culture. The ultimate point is not just that Jesus Christ is better than Judaism, but that Jesus Christ is greater than all of our old ways of dealing with things. All of our old habits. We're so trapped in our old ways of dealing with things. We rely on ourselves. We compete with one another. We're selfish. We're suspicious. We're jealous. We're fearful. We guard and cling desperately to what is ours. We pursue the idols of our culture. We only believe in what we can see and what we can manipulate. And when we can't observe and when we can't control things, it frustrates us. And all that points to the fact that we have the same old problems as our ancestors. And we deal with them in the same old ways that we've always dealt with them. How's it working for us? Are we going to deal with our problems and our opportunities in 2022 the same way we dealt with them in 2021? Or have we learned some things? Jesus Christ tells us that we no longer have to be intimidated by the ways of the world. And we no longer have to lust after its rewards. We don't have to fear the retribution of our culture because his way is the way that lasts. The gospel says, yes, you still have the same problems, but here's how God has dealt with them through his son, Jesus Christ. Don't get stuck in the past. Don't get trapped in the antique stores. Call out for help. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the door. Jesus Christ is not just better, he's decisive. He makes the difference. So instead of getting trapped in our old habits and our old ways and our old patterns of dealing with the world, we need to look to Jesus Christ for a better way of loving God, loving one another, and loving the city. The temptation is to just stay in the antique shop. It doesn't have everything we want, but you know what? It's familiar, and we know what's in here. It's open. But the question is, will we stay locked into that store, into that past in 2021, in 2020, and even in 2019 ways of thinking? Only going with what we know, pandemic as we know it. Politics as we know it. Justice as we know it. Family and marriage as we know it. Morality as we know it. Hope as we know it. Are we just going to look back to the way we've always done things or are we going to trust that Jesus is better? In 2022, there is something better. A better leader, a better way, and a better promise if we want 2022 to be better, to be the best it can be, then we need Jesus. Jesus is not only greater, but he's better for me, he's better for you, and he's better for the world. Will you pray with me? Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, it is so easy for us To want to go back to the way things were when things get difficult. To move backwards instead of forward. To retreat from you rather than lean into you. And yet that is exactly what you're calling us to do. Not to retreat to the old ways, the familiar ways, the old patterns. But to trust in you for your new and perfect way. Lord, you have not overturned the covenant of the past, but you have fulfilled it. Help us to realize that that you are the one who leads us forward and who does indeed not only make things better, but will take us to the best, to the perfect, to the fulfilled that you have planned for us from the beginning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When Jesus gathered with his disciples at table on that Passover evening at that Passover feast, he did so to help them to understand that God's love for his people, his covenant with his people was not, was not something that was trapped in the past, was not an artifact of yesteryear, but is present and real in their lives and in ours. And that's why he summons us to this table so that we will understand that his covenant of grace is as real for us today as it was both to the Hebrew people and to those first disciples. It is as real to us, his love for us, his saving grace for us is as real to us as this bread and this cup that represent his real love, his real death, his real sacrifice on the cross. God wanted to prove his love for us. And on the cross, he he proved how far he was willing to go in that love. And then in the resurrection, he proved that he really does have the power not only to make a difference in our lives and in our eternity, but to take care of us beyond even our greatest fears, our fears of death. And so when we come to this table today, we come here to be reminded that that which he gave in the Old Testament has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We honor what was first, but we delight in what was fulfilled. And so we come to this table not today, today, not because we must, but because we may. We come to this table not because we are worthy, but because we are invited. And we are invited because our God loves us and gave his life, to prove it, we come today to remember that he who had no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. And so the Lord bids all those who've been baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and who follow him as his disciple to come to taste and see that the Lord is good.